0: her majesty in the right of the province of manitoba whatever that styling is that's part of the introduction the other part of the introduction is you know we got to talk address or redress or we got to talk where you are physically situated to receive certain kinds of mailing that's all that we're going to talk about in the introduction but the name in the introduction reflects who is regarded in the completeness of his or her title so right here we're talking about you know the court is warranted Right? When there's a warrant issued, we know what happens. Something's going on. Someone's actively in duty pursuing something to make sure a cause to an effect is actually taking place. So um, moving forward, uh, the present force, when you present evidence, you create the force as evidenced by the Millennium Falcon cockpit behind me. We're talking a lot of Star Wars kinds of things going on. Again, there you go, the Star Wars stuff, see? There's a lot of that going on in the background. Get familiar. Go back. I mean, laugh, but go back and actually watch some of these Star Wars movies again. You're going to be shocked once you actually start to have equity eyes and you start talking about You start seeing, oh, you get these little shivers every now and again. So, I mean, it's not a waste of time. It's an investment. Go for it. Um, To have the completeness of his title. When you have something that's complete, do you think something else can come along and knock it off its little perch? No. When we have that defeasible title, when we have that destructible title, that's what leaves us vulnerable to collateral attack. Why? Is, why are we vulnerable to collateral attack? Well, here's why: because we actually haven't taken any collateral and attached it to anything to fortify our position. Simple. You just got to know what you got to know what some of these terms are. Again, that's what these Zoom meetings are going to do. Uh, let's rip through this a little, little farther. Um, okay, so when I got to the italicized words here, this is literally not a lot of my wording. I take this out of the equity manuals and books that I draw upon and I insert the odd little thing just to kind of round it off and give it a completeness feeling. But this is the stuff that they're looking for, okay? Here we go. That by a bond, duly sealed and executed and dated, whatever the date happens to be, whereof the condition was perfected, okay? Your petitioner, me and you, become a creditor of the said, Call it a life estate, call it a trust, call it a da, 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 you know. There's a few things that we can insert in that category, or if no such particular character exists. Now this is where this is pre 1933 when they really introduced the legal system through the particular birth certificates. So right about when these books, these equity books, were being drafted, right, they were they were just uh, creating. Environment and the commercial world that we're living in today. So it's suggesting hey, if no such legal entity or evidence of a legal entity exists, if the birth certificate doesn't exist yet, it's up to the petitioner to purport his title. Get it down, express it in some form or fashion, whether it's a deed of trust, whether it's a security agreement, whatever it is, just start understanding that you got a claim, you got to come forward and establish what it is, where you are, and why you're doing it, your title. Okay. Um, Thus, if he claims as an heir, you don't see in here where it says if he or she claims as a successor or a sign or, uh, right, no, they actually use the word heir for a reason. And again, you can go back into equitable uh, pleadings in court cases way back in the day where you're actually going to see surname hyphen heir being used. Okay, because the, the surname heir, to me, that's indicating that there's two parties. There's two entities that work right here, joined together with a hyphen. You have an estate, the all caps name, the surname. That's, that's not yours, right? That's public property. And then you got the heir or an individual entitled, perhaps, to, to, to maybe receive a certain interest if he or she expresses it. So you got two things going on in, in the new name. Two parties. you got a dead entity. And then you got the living one trying to express an interest in it. Pretty cool stuff. So moving on. Okay. uh, Where was I? Uh, Claims as the air that AB, that's you, on or about the such and such day in the year of, of whatever it was, was seized of, critical, do a little bit of digging on that one, and entitled to, dig on that one, certain... Lands, okay, now again, what's the definition of land? Actually, go into your land titles, legislature, and, and, and rules, and go find the definition of land. It's pretty freaking comprehensive. It literally means everything. An idea is land. But I actually, we actually kind of ran into this problem at the courthouse when we were trying to express some of our interests in land, and the clerk, right then and there, she's like, ah, you can't do that. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what. You go talk to your manager, and when you come back with a refreshed definition of land, then we'll talk again guess what happens? She comes back five, to 10 minutes later. Okay, you're right. We can let that go. But point is, let's just describe lands as exactly what it is. Rafter. Is it a corporeal hereditament? Is it an incorporeal hereditament? Is it a, is it an interest in uh, a manor or a mansion or dirt or air parcel rights? Whatever it is, define that particular, whatever it is you're after right or Liberty. Okay. so, uh certain lands rights liberties situate in the province or state in which your birth certificate was issued again properties dealt with at a local level when that birth certificate is generated any property interests generated and attached to that certificate are landed at the provincial level first so again that's all that this is talking about where the rights are situated I may be in British Columbia right now, and I can probably access my stuff back to Manitoba through the judiciary here in British Columbia, but I still haven't even decided how I'm going to do that one yet. Um, And known as, okay, so again, just one more time, describe what's your right or your liberty, your dominion. Again, (laughs) we were granted dominion when we were born, and through this coercion and through this mistake at the birthing table, we lost it. Mom and dad got rid of our dominion for us. Thanks. Appreciate that. But here we are to reclaim said interests. Um, Okay, that you were seized of this thing, uh, this thing, uh, and that in the said lands, you had an estate or you had an interest in an estate. What kind of estate? A life estate. Again, if you leave that word estate naked, it could be construed as something legal. So huck the word, throw the word life in front of it. You'll actually go back into all the legal legislation. Look for how often they use the word life. It's pretty few and far between, as a matter of fact. You'll only see it in very specific and reserved instances. Why is that? Because they know they aren't dealing with life events a whole lot. They're only dealing with the death events. Good. Here we go. Um, So we're going to establish that as the life estate. And that the said legal interest in that life estate was surrendered for redemption on or about the certain day of Da, 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 year of our Lord, continuing, that you, AB, have appointed new trustees by way of a security agreement on, whatever the date was, uh, seized of and entitled to those lands mentioned above, that the said you, previous to your appointment, uh, where was that here, made by a deed, OK, well, we're going to get into deeds here in a couple of days, but I'm just laying some groundwork here where I want you to start getting your heads wrapped around what's going on. So essentially, all that's really going to turn into is a trust deed. deed, deed, deeds, all kinds of things that we're going to play with. Bearing a date such and such was duly created, really, attested to as by the law uh, requirements at law and has been duly submitted in the in a proper court. And that, or you can even say is, is intended to be duly submitted. Don't be worried about when you hear the word submitted, it's not you being a slave with a yoke around your neck and someone yanking a chain and saying get back to work. That I've heard that kind of argument before. Listen, all we're trying to do is present evidence to a judge. If a judge is looking at something because you submitted it to him, again, we're here to build a relationship with that man or woman. Do not treat them like your enemy. Treat them with dignity and respect. If I hear of any more belligerent claimants, I swear if I could reach through my camera and give you a smack, I would. That's dean school from 10, 15 years ago that was entertaining back in the day because we were very frustrated. We don't need to do that anymore. Why do you think you're furthering your cause by literally coming in, calling the judge an asshole, and you think he's really going to help you? Come on. Sugar, not salt. Moving forward. um, That such a deed be left or lodged or paid into court when you attach a certificate of security to it again when we are securitizing a trust when we are creating a trust and putting value in it how do you think the value gets there it, ha- it needs something to attach to it well again this is what that certificate of security in registered form is for attach that silver coin to it I'm going to talk, in. Uh, you're going to see another little note here coming up again, the consideration, it can be the coin. It can be love and affection. Yes, that does work, but you know what? The coin is a little bit more tangible for the sake of paperwork. Um, so, okay, so that the this deed, uh, respecting the said lands, totally charged, totally affected. Okay, so something's definitely, tr- tr- uh, you know, switched. Something's been transmuted or something's been, reorganized, restructured, maybe under under a receivership. However, we enter this information to the judge. Again, these are elements that will unfold. Again, I only have an hour to crank this out for the first handful here because I'm trying to gauge what our response is going to be like and what your feedback is going to be like. And you know what, guys, gals, if you like this shit, give me a thumbs up on Facebook or throw a heart at our way or something because I'm just going to keep bringing it and I will I will, you know, alter the way I present things not a whole different way than I do right now because this is the way it should be. Um, exemplifying of what those lands are and how the petitioner was possessed at the time of perfection. Why? It's easy to prove you're possessed of a thing when you're holding it. When the record shows that you were granted legal interest because we made application to get it, Duh. Of course, the record is going to show that. So is it easy to say that I'm possessed of an interest, Your Honor? Yeah, clearly. And it's also presumed that I'm the grantee of this instrument because I am in possession of it. Ooh, that's going to come in handy. Thank you. Continuing. After these sufficient statements as to the title have been made, then follow in this stating part several statements, each supplying such a chief fact, again, as others and together with others, manifests a case of sufficient equity to warrant the court in granting the petitioner the relief he or she prays for. This portion of the stating part is the most difficult in the petition to frame, and that in which the most skillful guys and gals out there doing this stuff very often make a mistake, error. The very judges themselves do sometimes defer as to the sufficiency Of this portion of the petition, because not only must it uh, have the essential minor facts, but it must also lead to the major or the the, basically the the major account. When we are of majority, that means that we are of a sufficient capacity to act and govern our own affairs. So moving on down, uh, let's see, can I do this, Kim, or is that you're in control of this? Oh, I can do it. Look at that. Nice. Okay. Uh, where was I? Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, manifesting uh, proper notice, sending notice of these things to, I would definitely start with the the deputy attorney general of wherever it is you are. He knows what's going on here. Send it to him right away. As you're suggesting, Hey, I would like to set up a security agreement with you in the background to deal with this privately. So there should be no need for court and please consider my, you know, the following uh, presentation for your consideration. Boom. Now we dropped the entire security agreement. And in that, like I said, I think I had, what, 500 pieces of legislation. That is the entire framework or the entire roadmap that the new trustees have to follow for your enjoyment and benefit. What that is going to lead to is you settling, again, another massive component of what we're doing here. When there's a confusion, when there's a disturbance, when there's, a compl- when, there, when there's something not right, when there's something unsettled. This is why we're granted mercy and grace when we come forward. And, you know, upon a discovery made on such and such a date, I found, Your Honour, that it was critical or it was vital. What does the word vital actually imply? It means life, right? A vital event took place, Your Honour, and I am compelled to do something about it. That's why I'm deserving of grace. That's why I am doing what I am doing. So anyway, we're going to get this notice drafted up. We're going to get it sent to the deputy attorney general. We can actually kind of style uh, a lot of the proceeding in a court form, if you want, just to show him, hey, here's the court process I will use if you do not come to the table right here, right now, and come to some kind of an agreement with me. I've already pre-endorsed it. I've pre-signed it. I've actually, already put it into your possession. But here's what I'm doing. If I don't hear from you in the next, don't no, 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 give it a time frame. Don't say 24 hours. Give them a little bit more time than that. I'm going to say even give them more than 72 hours. Could they pull this off in 72 hours? Yeah, I know. But again, let's make friends, not enemies. We're not here to compound and complicate, and make a shittier situation. That's already here. Be a little, would you, how do you like it when someone says, oh, you've got 24 hours to respond, whether it was your job or not? I mean, this is, see how it has that negativity to it. Let's just not do it like that. Give them, I don't know give them 10 days, give them 14 days, give them 21 days. The fact is you're 49 years old and you've already waited this long to get this shit done. What's another 10 days. And you know what, when you come across with the grace and the, and, and, and the what would the proper word there be a state of being of, you know, consciousness, they're going to actually respect you a lot more. You'll actually hear back from them faster when you give them more time than when you try to compound them into oh here you got one day to get back to them. They'll just dust that anyway. So, they dusted, but again, what I'm saying is that they're not going to be as friendly. They're not going to be as amicable and you know dealing with us. We, we're trying to build relationships. That's first and foremost. So, uh, okay. So each of these facts demonstrated herein, right, manifest the proper notice was given to the parties complained of. We're going to rip this off to the Deputy Attorney General. All he does is takes it, looks at it, reviews it, says to <laughs> says to the Attorney General, "Hey." Uh, we we got to deal with this one. They work together and they work with the Minister of Finance and then they actually start to work together and help you, believe it or not. Why? Someone actually the other day suggested, Darren, well, why do you want to be the administrator of the trust? I thought that was the attorney general's job. Yes, it is. If you don't have the capabilities of doing it, the attorney general will do it for you. I, on the other hand, would like to be in a position where I could act as the attorney general privately. I have the skill set, I can manage, maintain, do all this stuff for others, because that's what I was kind of sent here to do. Okay, so moving forward, and that we've attached uh, also that good consideration and sufficient liability, you've actually defined what the the new liability is, and you're attaching it sufficiently to the parties complained of, touching the matters complained of, and that such parties are liable, at least by the acts of other persons named. So again, when you're going after the crown, What's the crown actually doesn't have another word for it to describe it other than agents, right? So that's you know, so we're kind of talking about two parties here. Maybe notice to agent is notice to principal. You could probably fire that maxim in there. That's kind of what that's talking about. So who by force of the acts stated are the agents of the parties complained of? There you go. I was just talk about okay. So these statements showing equity do therefore depend entirely on the patience, the skill, and the learnedness of the draftsman for their efficacy or their efficiency, or their ability to actually have some tooth or some power to get the job done. And it would be impossible to give any examples that could actually show us right now now, what some of these possible situations would be. Again, they're smarter than that. They're not going to say, okay, if you got a problem with your birth certificate, this is exactly what you do and this is how you do it. No, they're just going to suggest there are so many different uh, uh, applications to the processes that we're dealing with here. That we can't actually even give you one specific one. We can't even give you an example, which I think is a little bit silly, but so on. I didn't make the rules. Okay. Um, That the statements showing equity do therefore depend entirely on how good the guy or gal is who's putting this thing together. And so that each case generally has its own particular facts, right? Like it's going to have its own certain set of variables. But in a lot of our templates here, we can address, I'm going to suggest 96%. Of all of our problems with a generic kind of a deed of trust, coupled with a security agreement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You put these things together, basically drop in your particulars, your information, all your peculiar set of facts, and then you're going to be able to present it, you know, appropriately. So, okay, so uh, yesterday when I was talking about that um, that little magical paragraph here uh, that was light or it was deficient or I missed something. Okay, here's the better version of it. After your state your statements of facts are finished. There's a specific way they want you to close each statement. Okay. And this is what it reads like, which manifest an equity to exist. Okay. Again, we're talking about, uh, I've seen posts online the other day about how can you prove it? Have you proven that it exists? Whatever it is you're trying to do. Well, here, that th- this answers it right here. After a set of statements is finished, which manifest an equity, nothing exists until you've bathed it in equity which manifest an equity to exist as to the plaintiff or petitioner. Those words are synonymous. It is advisable at the end of each of these sets of statements to submit to the court as the statement, as you close it, that this is where it starts right here, that such an equity does exist. (laughs) Okay, there, you just exploded uh, all those other uh, comments online right now that are trying to shine light on how do you make something exist or not? And that the petitioner is entitled to it. Those two alone are massively big. And now he or she claims such an equity. There you go. Something exists. You created it. You helped it along. You, whatever, conveyed it, assigned it, appointed it. And now that it exists, you're claiming it. You see a trinity going on here. And only you can do it. The state's not going to do it for you. Equity will not perfect an imperfect gift. This is part of the process to get this stuff into the hands of the judge. And that you are also willing to do and you are ready for anything that the court requires of you. So essentially, you're making an offer to act as equity requires on your part. Your Honor, I've come this far and I'm willing to do whatever the frick it takes to get this done. Thank you. You're literally opening the doors. You're actually expressing um, the ability to contract. But privately, with equitable doctrine behind you and all this awesome cleanliness Again, I keep saying this. You're going to be shocked at what we see the, you know, I don't want to see the complexity of the documents because yes, they are technical. But once we start simplifying this down, you're going to start to see a lot of repetition of what's going on here. A lot of these words are just wash, wash, rinse, repeat once you, get your, once you get your noodle wrapped around some of this stuff. And again, okay, so now mind that each claim is consistent with one another and that each claim can be satisfied completely out of the rest of them. Okay, so what's that saying? It's saying you're actually going to build a statement. I really like peanut butters and jelly sandwiches, and I deserve those every day for lunch. And if I don't get those, I'm going to be upset. Do so you see how a judge can actually say, okay, the complainant here requires a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day, and he's going to put some some value into this equation, and that if he doesn't get his peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day, he's going to be upset. I can grant an order based on that single paragraph. So we don't want to build paragraphs that, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that will lead up to something. Yes, okay, but structure each paragraph or each statement as if it was a court order all by itself. And to be honest, I don't think we really need more than three. I'm going to try to boil it down to three. Three statements. Something happened. We did something about it. And here we are. That really should be all that we're really having to deal with. If you want to have nine statements of fact in there, okay, go ahead. But at some point, the more we lay out, the judge is going to start poking holes more. You're giving him more things to find deficiencies in. And again, equity will regard substance over form. Of course, I know that. But at some point, when you come at the judge as a "Hey, here's a hundred pages of stuff," you just gave him a hundred pages of things that he can sit there with a the magnifying glass to either grant your stuff or dismiss it. Um, let's tighten that right up. Let's let's shorten that. Let's let's give them a lot less to play with. So there's no wiggle room. Okay. So moving on. Um, Uh, And that each claim can be satisfied completely out of the one subject matter of the suit or out of some portion thereof. In this part is stated, and your petitioner submits to your honor that an injunction should restrain the said defendants and agents from doing whatever it is that they're doing to harm you. And that it should be awarded to the petitioner by this honorable court in consideration of the premises. When if you laid out your three paragraphs like gold, he's gonna instantly grant that thing. As a matter of fact, I've heard stories of you go to the you go to the public counter or in your courthouse and you lay down the paperwork properly, the clerk can literally stamp it, approve it, and issue process right then and there. Boom, you can literally walk out in 10 minutes with the job done. Can you believe that? I know it's hard to believe, but it's possible. Uh, what is an equity? most undeniably depends on very minute circumstances and can best be arrived at by mentioning, firstly, what are the chief equities that have been recognized by the court, which seem to, you know, by themselves are not really part of any general comprehensive rule, but form a class all by itself. So they give us bits and pieces, they shake it up and they throw it at us. So you gotta literally grab some of these things, realign them, calibrate them, infuse them with intent, interest, value, stuff, give it to the judge. That's essentially all we're talking about here. So here's another example. If someone is threatening you, whether it's uh, whatever the situation is, doesn't matter. I know we've all kind of heard and felt these situations before, but this is a good little tidbit. Uh, This is a pretty tight little paragraph. If a party threaten A with an act, which the party B intends to do, okay, now, if a party intends to do something, if a party has expressed something publicly, like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, if party A comes forward and says, hey, I haven't given you written express permission to do that. I haven't given you express permission to take die five material and spread it all over your own show. You can actually run into a little bit of problem there. Careful, tread lightly. Perilous conditions might lie ahead for you. Keeping, you know, forgiveness in mind here. We're just trying to teach people a lesson. Um, if A can show sufficient facts in a statement which manifest that such act, if it happens, will wrong you, then you has an equity which will induce the court to restrain the party by injunction from doing such threatened act or continuing to do it. And a petition or a bill for this purpose purpose is called the Bill quietemet. That is basically a specific original bill in Chancery. That's, you know, convert it now to a petition. And that's saying, hey, Your Honor, a party is fearful that another party is going to do something that's going to cause wrongdoing, harm. I don't like to use the word damages. That's legal. Let's stick to the word harm or an injustice, there's one, if this thing is pursued, it's going to cause a a bit of a problem, so I've, I've sent notice to that party, I've asked them to restrain, I've asked them to stop, I've asked them to not proceed, Your Honor, they keep dismissing, they keep ignoring, and they keep alluding to, or they keep promising, or they keep threatening to come do this, and if you bring enough value to the equation, I really don't feel like being punched in the face, Your Honor, I really don't feel like experiencing that, Then the judge literally has the power to step in and grant an injunction to restrain the other party from doing so. Okay, legally, what's an injunction called? It's called a restraining order. Okay, well, what's legal for? Legal is when we're dealing with the persons. So when you're dealing with the persons, we're we're automatically dealing with the crown. That's just, they're the third party hiding in the background. So unless we bring the crown into everything we do, we drop a lot of balls. Every time we go to defend ourselves at law, we get so eviscerated. We get so stripped of rights that we already don't have. We get made look such a fool when we start we, we don't know what the hell we're talking about, an injunction, an accounting, specific performance. These are the equitable remedies that we need to be focused on. But if you bring a public claim for an injunction, what did you just do? You took an equitable pleading and you stuck a legal remedy on it. The judge looks at that and goes, nope. So you better separate yourself from that person. There better be some kind of division. There better be some kind of interest expressed that separates the two. You know, you better come as a different party. You better come at arm's length of that security. You better be doing something else or the courts will construe that you are that party. And then you get your ass handed to you as we've all experienced in the past. How am I doing for time here? You know what? Guys, loved ones, this hour flies by so freaking quick. It's, I'm fine, you know, okay, moving on. Um, okay, so that when a party has an equity, when, he, when by any act of another, he is wronged without the power of having remedy legally in his own property that he claims, and in regard to which that act, he has made no written agreement with party B. So that, you know, And in any way that party B has been approved to do what they're about to do. And in regard to which act also no implied agreement is of his own can be made as in that individual doesn't have the power to just come in and lay, you know, wreak havoc on somebody else's property or somebody else's interest. That's why it's called a trespass. That's why it's called a public nuisance. Believe it or not, the equitable uh, punishment for public nuisance. Again, it kind of sounds like, ah, turn your stereo down. That's too loud. Back in the day, from I, I remember like some of the equitable pleadings and, and, and rem- remedies that I was looking at back then, public nuisance actually carried a five-year sentence with it. It's actually pretty serious. It's not to be taken lightly. Don't mess around with that one. It sounded very, you know, trivial, but it's not. But again, you bring a legal claim and you attach an equitable remedy to it, it defeats itself. No good. Stick with the equitable remedies. There's a bunch, but do a little bit of digging, do a little bit of research on what the equitable remedies technically are. And again, that's what these thats what these light speed meetings here, these Zoom meetings, that's, that's what these are all for. We're going to lay down as much track as I can. And again, now, regarding to specific questions that are already coming at us tomorrow's segment, we're going to just deal straight up with all the questions. Uh, I'm going to take every question that people have sent me in the last, uh, you know, day or four here, and I'll, I, I can actually have a, a pretty good idea of how long it's going to take to answer these questions. And if I feel it's going to be a little bit light on the one hour, I'll actually go online and pull other questions from just random because that may have bearing or may have uh, uh influence on what it is we're talking about here. So, tomorrow tomorrow's just strictly, just strictly geared for answering questions, and I think we got to do that at least once or twice a week moving forward here because again, I'm going to be moving at warp speed, I'm gonna be dropping a lot of stuff continue lots of questions. There, and again there, there's going to be lots of questions coming out of this i know that okay um ripping through it we've got to give notice to the other party although we can actually bring the court case without notice and then the judge can actually grant the order first once you have the order now you can notice the party that oh there's already an order here you're screwed thank you for coming or not really <laughs> pretty cool again but you got to bring this stuff properly okay so Uh, going back to this, the previous notice to him concerning what you're about to do, nor any act of or by him or any of his agents can be brought into any evidence testifying that he's been approved to, to a use or through forbearance or instigation or anything of that nature. That party B literally gets his ass handed to him. He's got no standing. So again, careful. Um, so there that, that a party has an equity when by any act of another, he is wronged. Okay, no, did that one. Uh, my bad. So when a writing is pleaded, notice it said writing. Can you do it verbally? Yes, but again, that takes a lot of skill. And the judge will try to trip you up just a little bit. So unless you got those backup things in your noggin, you're going to get derailed pretty quick. And then he'll sense that. And he, as soon as he smells blood and that you're frustrated, he can't let you through. You're not ready. Don't get discouraged. Don't feel bad. Again, I've been doing this a long time. I've been getting kicked in the teeth for years. And I still have them all. There are still in there. Um, okay, but this is important. How do you bring evidence into court so that the judge can see it? Okay, here we go. Then the usual sentence employed to put in evidence is this. Again, these aren't my words. As in and by the said, whoever, when produced, whatever it is you're talking about, will more fully and at length appear and to which your petitioner. For greater certainty, craves leave to refer. (laughs) That's a dynamite sentence when you understand what's going on right there. Craving leave to refer. So what that's suggesting is, hey, I know the record shows that I've abandoned my property and I can only really appear in person. I've got a dirty, I've got a cloudy, I've got a filthy, I got all kinds of shit going on, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but what this is saying is I'm craving leave from that situation so that I may refer you to some private, special, equitable stuff. Motion granted? Thank you. Of course they grant it. We actually had the judge in our case, Grant Leave. He actually just kind of threw it at us. We didn't even really have to ask for it. He literally just chucked it at us. But we, you know, we clued in on it. We referred to it a little bit later in our proceedings. And it was pretty interesting. Again, these judges are sharp. You know, they've been doing this a long time. They know this stuff a lot better than I do. And I've been doing this a long time. So here we go. Here is another awesome part of what we're talking about. After a writing has been pleaded, it is usual to state to the effect that the individuals or persons, the sums, whatever it is the subject matter is. A lot of times there's money or there's, uh, you know, there's something tangible hiding in the background here that we're trying to express an interest respecting. And the matters and the said last mentioned, whatever it is we're talking about, named and described, are the same person's. Psalms, matters, as are in the bill, the petition alluded to. Why did we just have to repeat it? Second witness, check your scripture. It's pretty important. And the named and described by similar names and descriptions, and if a deed or bond is the writing to those events, also states that it was duly sealed and executed and is still in full force. Why do we have to be using the word duly? Well, if you're coming singularly, you may be coming as the legal person. So if you come duly, well, it's kind of like we cover both ends. Yeah, we could have been construed as coming legally, but we've also brought some equitable stuff with us. Therefore, two capacities. Really important. Um, Okay. So if A, be surety with another. Ah, this is important. We volunteered to be surety. That means something had the surety ship and granted, granted it to us. Do they still have the shipyards? Yeah, kind of. Are they kind of a co surety in the background? Oh, yeah. So you're surety. They're a co surety. This is important. Pretend the co surety is the crown for a moment. Okay. So if A, you be surety with another, the crown, on behalf of the crown, you make a payment or you make a purchase. Ah if you lay down valuable consideration respecting any particular type of circumstances you've actually bought paid for offered made a deal struck a bargain whatever you want to call it you've literally purchased something right so now that thing is in your possession and if this is successful against him alone as surety for the whole amount of his liability you're actually just setting the stage to subrogate it right here, right now. You purchased something and you gave it to another party as a gift, as a donation, under trust conditions. These, ty- these types of things, we're going to get into them a little bit deeper here as we go. This action or this little thing, this event you just did, will by its very nature induce the court to cause the other, the kosherty, the crown, to contribute their Due portion of the liability. What could the what could the possible due portion of their liability be? Oh, I don't know. How about specific performance? How about you guys act as the trustees properly now that the proper beneficiary has showed up? Again, you see how they act as trustees and the beneficiaries at the same time. Well, they juggle that. They get us to admit certain things at certain parts of a court case where you, you just admit it to be the beneficiary and then you granted it right back to the state. And now that they've got you acting as the trustee, now they smash a bunch of liability to you. So again, the liability, my brother did a very good job back in the day describing liability and what it really is. But we're literally, again, we're literally setting the stage to take that liability and attach it to the crown because there are co-sureties. Once you purchase your rights back, you're exonerated. You literally get to step back. Now you can say, hey, any other creditors out there, you got 30 days to bring a claim against the principal debtor. I'm not the principal debtor no more. I'm secondarily liable. That means go chase the crown for payment of the debt. Well, it's their debt it's in their name they own everything let them deal with it that's all we're really doing here I know it's a technical way of doing it but again this is the way the courts read it this is the way the courts swallow it if you will you know what uh, I've already laid down a whole bunch of stuff but so I just want to let this one rip here tomorrow's event okay is reserved for questions I think as I've mentioned um, today we're going to be discussing you know the rest of this bill this is the start of it this petition is in depth there's off the top of my head there's like there's technically there's 10 or 11 parts to an original bill in equity. They've kind of boiled it down to about 7. I think a couple of them we can kind of brush off as archaic. We don't need to replicate these anymore. But the courts, the judges, the judiciary, especially in chambers, they're going to want to see specific things that make up your petition. And if you're if you're deficient in one, guess what happens? If you just called the judge an asshole, he's not going to fill in the blank for you. But if you came in with peace, love and kindness, and you, can, and you say, well, you know what, Your Honor, sorry, I missed that part. Sorry, I missed that element. But all I know is no no trust can fail for one of a trustee. Boom. When you start using maxims to get yourself out of those shitty kind of slippery situations, if you can quickly off the top of your head, get five maxims, get good with them, so that those five would literally take care of any situation that you may find yourself in, those will bail your ass out like you would not believe. And the, as soon as you start talking maxims in the appropriate context, the judge goes, wow. I appreciate your effort because I know what it would have taken to get here, right? You actually developed this friendship. The judges are your advocates. They are not your enemies. And as far as I know, I'm not a big believer in appointing them as trustees. Yeah, they're kind of quasi-trustees for a moment because they're in actual physical possession of original security instruments. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he's going to do something with them. So he may be a trustee for a moment, but that's already implied. That's already part of the mechanism that's going to happen for your benefit. You don't need to go into court and name him a trustee and make a big stink out of it because all that starts to do is really start making a mess of things. You can actually proceed with things that are implied. Say one or two things, and if you do those correctly, guess what? The third one appears. The third one's implied. And when the judge actually sees you executing or laying down your claim like this, again, he did it for us. I just got the 10-minute warning here, for loved ones, so we got to rock and roll what about it okay so i got we got a loved one on here barry that's been patiently waiting in queue for probably a week or so i'm going to give him an opportunity to rip one question at me so that you all loved ones can see what that looks like but i'm going to leave that for about the last five minutes so i think i got a couple more to go here uh okay so just back to the list um oh here's 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 another beautiful one okay uh, okay, the charging part. That's gonna be. That's the next part of us developing this paperwork. The charging part is very, very important. But this is what the charging part does. Listen to this one, for example. And the said defendants sometimes pretend that. So you're actually pre-establishing. I know what they're gonna say. They're gonna say that this is Meads versus Meads, and that I got no standing, and that this is uh, vexatious, and 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 and. and scandalous and frivolous, and they're going to bounce my claim, Your Honor. I know they're going to say that, but I'm actually charging the direct contrary, Your Honor. I'm actually suggesting that the complete opposite is the truth, and I'm going to charge this, that, and I'm going to charge a little bit more. That's a big deal. Charging, something had to be discharged in order to get charged. So when something gets discharged, that means that perhaps it perhaps has been subrogated, or maybe uh, you know uh, a party has a new interest, uh, a substitution of players, et cetera, et cetera. You get the You get the point. A discharge happens, a charge happens. It's awesome stuff. And if you don't do it like that, if you don't set it up like that, for if the equity or your proper complaint or whatever it is, you're comp- or whatever it is that you're claiming, if that only shows up in the charging part, your bill, your petition is demurable, which means it's defeatable. Again, you got to state it here and then you got to charge it again here. And there's, a, there's actually a process to do this. So you say it once you say it again. Why do I got to say it again? Two witnesses? Yeah, pr- thanks for the answer. You got it. Okay, ex parte. Some of these uh, motions, these notices, these petitions, they're going to be made ex parte, which is, means you actually don't name another party. And they're going to be made without notice, which means the judge can deal with this right now if you bring it to him properly. And it has to be urgent. Urgent, urgent, urgent. Super important. And again, none of these are my words. This is me pulling out of the uh, the equity texts. Where you can prove it's urgent and where it appears, something appears, that means you created it, it exists. When something appears to be just or convenient, the court will grant an injunction, temporary, until a little bit more process happens. And then they'll grant the permanent injunction. Okay, again, more more more... Uh, more classes to come but I think I've got a few minutes here right so I think I will just open this up to Barry I don't know if you're going to fire this at me uh verbally or if Kim's going to read it but here we go um Barry I'm going to unmute you and then if you could just ask your one question that'd be great and you know what let me interrupt you here Barry before you go quickly ask me one question and then tomorrow's questions events I'll answer the rest of them okay so just let it can you hear me yep go ahead buddy okay uh, i really like clarity into the deed of peace okay a deed of peace is essentially what it is we're actually trying we're what we're literally trying to do here when we come with clean hands that's a position of peace when we were in legal possession of legal property and legal interests that belong to a legal entity that's not us that's an act of war That's you saying, ha ha crown, I'm taking your stuff and I'm going to run and I'm going to go conduct a whole bunch of commercial business with it. And I'm not going to actually go get permission to do it first. Believe it or not, (laughs) here's another spoiler alert. Every legal marriage out there, as far as I can see is void. When you and your wife got married, it's no good. Here's why I've seen a lot of legislation where a man and woman is supposed to go to court to get leave, to go get married imagine we're leaving a situation to create a better one. If you don't leave that public realm because you were born into it, a legal marriage is not what we were led to believe it is. Uh, Interesting. So the bill of peace coming with clean hands, I'm leaving a shitty certain legal situation. I'm declaring peace. I've surrendered. I've given these things back. uh, You know, I'm actually improving their worth your honor. Uh, And uh, again, based on my discovery here, of a potential uh, escheated estate, even though it may not be recorded somewhere, I'm evidencing it right now. I'm saying that it exists. And through my affidavit, I can actually come clean up this mess. When the judge sees us coming in peace and with clean hands, that clean hands equitable doctrine is one of the biggest ones. It literally unlocks literally 99% of the other ones. If we can't prove that we're coming with clean, clean hands first and foremost, we're really moving a mountain Up another mountain. We got to really get that situation cleaned up. Perfecting our interests, adding value, disposing, disposing of it now, getting rid of it. Disposition of interest. Oh, this is a very powerful statement. Disposition of a capitally funded trust. Again, dispositions are important. Start doing a little bit of recon on that word. Disposition means what? You were in one position before and now you're in a new one. Subrogation. I've disposed of an interest beautiful stuff am i okay for oh well, i got a few minutes here like uh okay so yeah you know what barry fire another one at me go ahead <laughs> you so, have I to unmute yourself barry yeah sorry go ahead sorry um are you familiar with the term reversion absolutely reversion okay. i'm thinking is the first it, oh, go ahead or you had more go ahead <laughs> okay We got, here's the two, the primaries. You got reversion and you got remainder. The reversionary event was the one that happened last time, like before when we mom, dad dropped our equitable interests. That was a reversionary event. Something was presented, nothing happened with it. It reverts back to another party so that it can be maintained. After all of that stuff, what's remaining? Whatever's remaining, that's what I'm claiming, Your Honor. I'm claiming an interest in that remainder not in the reversion. The reversion has already happened. The reversion is why we're in the situation we are right now. So there's two kind of key components there. An event that happens in the future, that's called a future possessorary interest, an FPI. That future event must happen to unlock another whole set of circumstances or variables. We show up and we claim the remainder, we move it around, we give a sum to the new trustees, we take a portion of it for our benefit, yada, 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 that all gets explained in the security agreement, the deed of trust, the deed of trust is actually something I'm I'm actually working on still right now, I should have that for consumption here. I'm going to suggest in a handful of days. So again, I'm building as we go here, right? So we're going to go from petition or original bill and chancery. Then we're going to move to the deed and trust. Then we're going to move to the security agreement. Then we're going to move to the administrative agreement and so on. I'm only interested in building your knowledge, loved ones. I'm not interested in just say, here, take the paperwork and go. It wasn't presented to me like that. And actually having done it for a number of years, I understand why. I can completely appreciate why it was presented to us in these bits and pieces because you know really at the end of the day this thing was so large it was so overwhelming there was so much to digest it would be, have been impossible to just get your noodle wrapped around it in 3 days and then go execute paperwork in front of a judge can you get a lot of this stuff done in at land titles independent of the court yeah but again like i was saying yesterday use the court that's what they're there for i'm going to show you tomorrow no nope, tomorrow's questions uh next next segment i'm going to show you a list of questions And loved ones, trust me, when you see the way that this list of questions rolls out, when you present that to the judge, you're going to see why they're better off to just grant you the interest that you're after rather than ask all these questions. Because these questions are loaded. And as simple as they are, you're going to laugh your ass off when you see how when you put them together, how powerful it is. So I know I might have something in the 30 second range right about now, but... Go ahead, type the rest of your questions in the chat, loved ones. We're going to smash out tomorrow. And if tonight's uh, event was a little bit higher RPMs, you know, get used to that. Look at the light speed going on behind us. We got a lot of distance to to travel here as fast as we can. So, again, go ahead and record this. Share it. I really don't care because at the end of the day, we're all heading in the same place. Right? Peace. Love y'all.